podcast number 36, August 25th, 2022. Hello, everyone. I'm Paula Bach, author of Rescue the Teacher, Save the Child. This podcast follows the written version of my blog with additional extemporaneous thoughts and even some editorials. Read one and listen to the other for a complete understanding of today's message. Whereas I'd like to think that most of my messages are very important, I would really like to have you listen, hear, and share the following. Stop beating up teachers. America has enough teachers. They are not returning to the classroom due to the culture of disrespect. It's hard to believe I've been out of teaching five years. After being bullied by admin, faculty, and parents, I waved that white flag once and for all, April 25th, 2017. My 46-year career came to an abrupt end due to a spineless administrator, irascible department personnel, and a handful of rancorous parents. Quite simply, I was incredibly tired of the constant beat-up I took almost every day. For months, I have written and spoken about the crisis of the shortage of teachers. Well, folks, it is here, and it looks like this. Paraprofessionals and daily substitutes are taking over classrooms without teachers. Retired teachers are re-entering the workforce, and well-meaning vets and retired policemen and women entering the classrooms of America without any training. So let me be clear. America has enough teachers. Truth? They just don't want to teach in the caustic environment created by spineless administrators, irascible faculty, and rancorous parents. And then there are the education myths which keep on perpetuating falsehoods about teaching. Once again, I heard the ignorant media this week spout the myth that teachers have the summer off and therefore are not eligible for an increase of pay. Here are three myths addressed by teachthought.com. That's teachthought, all one word, dot com. Myth number one. But you have your summers off. Though contracted time may seem to be on par with other professions, most teachers will tell you that completing required work within their contracted time and doing it well is close to impossible. This results in teachers coming in earlier or staying later or taking work home, which I was guilty of all three. A study looking at unpaid overtime in 2014 found that teachers were more likely to work more unpaid overtime than any other professionals. Think about that. Our culture and our children are highly influenced by teachers, but we're not paying them for their work. Teaching has become more demanding in recent years. Well, we know that, of course, because of COVID. While some teachers might have a scheduled prep time, it is highly unlikely that the prep time will actually be used for preparing lessons. Instead, grading and planning are responsibilities that are often reserved for evenings and weekends, so that the amount of overtime is inching upwards by 31%. That was back in 2010, so my guess is it's far greater than 31%. And the study goes on, Teach um, Thought goes on, and it tells you about uh, different increments of hours per week that teachers are uh, doing, and I would just encourage you to go back to my blog and read them, because that's pretty incredible about how many extra hours per year teachers are putting in. Myth number two, you don't work a full day. You get to leave by 3 p.m., 
Even though the average school day for students is 6.64 hours, for most teachers, the contracted school day approximates that of a typical 40-hour job. In other words, an eight-hour, nine-to-five schedule is simply moved back by two hours. So she goes on to say that her schedule at her school was 7.15 to 3.15 p.m. And we know that so many teachers do stay after to help students that are struggling especially now post-COVID, and for those who are needing extra time to make up work. And then let's just talk about the school day. It's a harried pace of activity consisting of non-existent bathroom breaks, 20-minute lunch breaks, playground or bus duty, instant communication-inspired parent contacts, and excessive amounts of data collection and analysts that are required by the state for purposes of accountability. Myth number three, yes, but just about anyone can teach. Teaching is an incredibly demanding job. It's fulfilling, but demanding. For example, Ryan Fuller, an aerospace engineer turned teacher, described teaching as harder than his job designing a NASA spacecraft. According to Fuller, no one can fully understand how difficult teaching in America's highest need communities is until he or she personally experiences it. He goes on to say, when I solved engineering problems, I had to use my brain. When I solved teaching problems, I used my entire being, everything I have, end quote. Bob Shepard, a former publishing executive, said something similar about his return to teaching. Quote, everything I did before was a vacation by comparison, end quote. Additionally, for teachers in high poverty schools, the compassion fatigue that accompanies teaching can be overwhelming. Carla, a first grade teacher and a 14-year veteran, notices children are coming with more trauma than ever before. I noticed the same thing. And the pressure to meet standards has increased. Oh, in Colorado, teachers' assessment is based on achievement of students. Yes, that's a lot of stress. For Carla, going back to Carla, and so many other teachers, the emotional exhaustion that has accompanied teaching in high-poverty schools has taken its toll. And here she quotes, We had a speaker come discuss the effects of trauma on the brain. Everyone I talked to saw the effects in our own lives, not to mention our students. At one point, the speaker said how it takes a special teacher to be able to teach traumatized students. And my immediate thought was, I can't be that teacher anymore. Anyone who thinks that teaching is easy has never taught before. Well, in all the articles I read about the myth of summers off, no one really addressed the reality of teacher pay. I was on a 180-day contract, which began in roughly mid-August and ended in early June. The misnomer of summers off comes from the fact that salaries are spread out over a 12-month period, but actual pay is for 9.5 months. So getting paid in the summer only reflects the balance of salary owed for the 180-day contract. And here are some more myths from my point of view. Myth number four. Most teachers belong to the National Education Association, commonly known as NEA, or the American Federation of Teachers, AFT. According to The 74, it's actually a website that you can find the link to on my blog, 
Actually, only one in four U.S. teachers belongs to a union. To be sure, 75% of America's teachers are not unionized. When union heads like Randy Weingarten stand behind race-based hiring policies in Minneapolis, and by the way, there's a link to this on my blog, and the race-based hiring policy was simply that white teachers were to be let go first. Remember that Randy Weingarten does not represent the views of the majority of America's teachers. Myth number five, teachers join unions so their leftist and socialistic views may be supported on an education platform. Truth and transparency. I was a union member, although in both Colorado and Nebraska, membership is to an association with a connection to the NEA. And I was a member for most of my 46-year teaching career. I am a conservative Christian educator with no leanings for the liberal agenda in education. When I joined associations in both Nebraska and Colorado, it was to seek representation when the spineless, irascible, and rancorous openly attacked my integrity. Both states' association gave me great advice each time and truly care about me as an educator. I got to know my representatives by first name, and they always either took my call or returned my call within hours. Associations are the only buffer zone between teachers and the misconduct of admin, faculty, and parents. That in itself, my friends, speaks to why teachers are leaving the field in greater numbers than ever before. Of course, COVID did contribute to an exodus of sorts, but teachers were leaving long before the disease ever invaded our country. So, how were some of the ways I have been beat up over the past? Well, I had a principal who stated to her admin team she wanted me gone for no reason. I was privy to this information from another administrator who refused to be a part of the scheme. At the time, I was tenured with one of the top programs in the state. What does adult bullying look like? Well, mean-spirited emails, unfounded accusations, and a culture of backstabbing. Tenured teachers are not fired due to litigation issues. Instead, they are bullied to leave. This is especially true for white, older female teachers. Ooh, that's quite a statement. So what's my basis for this statement? I met one evening with several older white women who had been bullied to leave their schools. We were called to the meeting by the District Education Association who had concerns about a pattern of administrator abuse. Most at the meeting, including myself, left their positions due to the stress of fighting for their jobs. I was tenured with a statewide reputation for building a credible program, and yet I was told I could not return to my job. So, let it be known, administrators actually do go after tenured teachers with integrity, and they do this without cause. This is from my book, Rescue the Teacher, Save the Child which I might add is available on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. I'm going to address the words exile, aisle. It's E-X-I-L-E, -E, second word I-S-L-E. And this is from my book. The room, dimly lit, appeared quite small for the assigned meeting place. A round table placed in the center of this cramped space accommodated eight chairs. Sleet pummeled the window as we waited for more to join us. 
It appeared the inclement weather affected the turnout. Small snippets of conversation could be heard, two women visiting quietly about their experiences while three others began introductions. I waited nervously, wondering what impact this meeting might have on my life. Women, demoted and demoralized as teachers, gathered to share their story. Most transferred out of the district. Two bowed to the fate of involuntary retirement. The teachers' union representative opened the meeting and asked the assembled women to introduce themselves and share their experiences. As each teacher spoke, the accounts became more grueling in context and breadth. All of us, mostly over the age of 40, experienced bullying behavior from our administrators. The effort exerted by those admin teams forced all of us into leaving our positions. In most situations, the offending administrator was male. How could these career professional women receive evaluations riddled with false accusations, experience harassment, and derogatory comments? How could our colleagues and community not demand justice? How could years of evaluations with the highest scores of four altered in the last year of their employment to ones and twos. Modus operandi, MO, a particular way of or method of doing something, especially one that is characteristic or well-established. So make no mistake, an unambiguous MO intertwined itself throughout all of the narratives. Administrators set forth to rid themselves of older teachers in a very unsettling procedure. Lacey, a teacher forced to retire, stopped the conversation cold with two words, exile, aisle. She received the privileged information from teachers working towards their admin certification. The mentoring principal shared this term at their in-service. Well, a unison gasp emitted from, with incredulous glances at the sound of those words. A cacophony of questions came from everyone in the room. What is this? How could it exist? How is this even possible? Exile Isle is a term used to compel teachers into resigning or retiring, thus avoiding the firing process. When teachers quit of their own volition, no recourse exists to litigate damages against the district. My ordeal substantiated the implementation of Exile Isle as the end game designed just for me. Tenure with excellent evaluations should have ensured my sustainability in my position. The Exile Isle procedure appeared multifaceted and scripted by administrators. So I would especially ask teachers to look at the following and see if they're falling into any of, the, any of these categories of Exile Isle. First of all, early in the fall, veiled verbal and emailed accusation cast a shadow on integrity. The administrators cited with any complaining parents making no efforts to fact-find. Emails with vague agendas periodically requested meetings with an administrator's Meetings always scheduled in the middle of the day, so returning to classes after receiving a verbal rough-up presented its usual challenges. Three to four confrontational meetings per semester behind closed doors without witnesses proved debilitating. 
Answers to questions raised regarding supposed classroom scenarios never garnered even a nod of affirmation from the administrator. Each additional meeting, administrators became more direct with printed out unfounded accusations. The questions from previous meetings, which had already been asked and answered, kept reappearing. The tone of the meetings began to take on a demeaning nature by mid-year. In fact, in December, my administrator said this to me. This meeting is for you to listen and for me to talk. I don't believe I've ever said that even to a student. No rational answer would satisfy the administrator's growing distrust. At the EOY, which is the end of year evaluation, teachers could return, but in a lesser position. This MO prevailed throughout the evening of discussions. On my daily drive to school, instead of experiencing the incredible beauty of the area, I found myself praying for strength and wisdom. No supplication could alleviate the knot in my stomach, wondering if today would produce one of those gotcha meetings. The target painted on my back as the admin team went out of their way to make my life miserable. Exile Isle was not a familiar term to me at the time. Re-examining my final year, my banishment to Exile Isle began in the fall of 2016, which ultimately resulted being kicked off the island permanently in the spring of 2017. And if that's not bad enough, I found this just reported from the Denver Channel.com. Uh, that link is found in my blog. The DenverChannel.com reported a proposed ballot measure that would have put nearly one billion, that's billion with a B, a year in income tax revenue toward Colorado public K through 12 teachers and schools will not go to the voters in November after organizers fail to gather enough signatures to make the ballot. Organizers with the Greater School Thriving Communities Coalition, which is comprised of Colorado School Finance Project and the Great Education uh, Colorado, announced Monday they would not be submitting signatures to the Secretary of State's Office for Initiative 63 after falling short of the 125,000 that were needed for the measure to be approved for November's election. So how did I find this out? On the app next door... A neighbor posted, quote, I wanted to share the fantastic news that Initiative 63 failed to garner enough signatures. We must stay vigilant, though, as there are those out there who will stop at nothing to take more and more of your money. Wow. My take? We are now celebrating underpaid teachers and being vigilant so teachers are not compensated for their work. And we have the audacity to ask why American education is no longer competitive in the world. And this finally from the Denver News Channel. And again, that uh, link is on my uh, website. Colorado, Colorado has one of the lowest average teacher salaries in the country. And the state legislature rarely fully funds K-12 education. You pay for what you get, friends. It's just that simple. When you lose teachers, schools' ratings plummet, only to be followed by a lowering of property evaluations. 
If you are the purveyor of cheap shots against teachers, stop. If you are a parent, stop before you hit send on a hateful email. If you are a teacher, we need you. Stay the course if you can. Support your colleagues, even the unlikable ones. And if you are an administrator, when was the last time you said to a teacher, how can I make your job easier? Do not rule from a bully pulpit. Stop contributing to the negative forces found in almost every school. If you are in government, stop bemoaning teacher salary increases. If you are retired with no children in school, stop sitting idly by as our nation loses one of its richest resources, teachers. There's a link in my blog uh, to Rescue the Teacher, Save the Child. Uh, please purchase yours today. I would love that. It won the 2020 Top Shelf Nonfiction Book Award. It's a great gift for a parent, teacher, or administrator, especially at the start of a new year. But here's even a better idea. I will help any school board or school district implement the Golden Rule Project. And again, there is a link to that on my blog uh, that tells you what that is. Just as a quick review, it's treating people like you want to be treated. What if children could go to school and be treated like they want to be treated? And what if teachers could practice the same rule and administrators likewise. So the Golden Rule Project. Contacting me by the links provided would be greatly appreciated or leave comments. Thank you for your time. I would just encourage you to share um, Stop Beating Up Teachers blog and or podcasts. We need to start making a difference in order to keep our teachers where they need to be and that's in our schools.